that I have to do. It's my final college paper. Mm. And I've worked on it for like five hours, maybe, and I finished it yesterday. I read the, reread the play. Congratulations. And then I wrote the paper, but I don't know. I hope we have a good show. Yeah. I just haven't been sleeping well. I don't know. Yeah. Gonna try melatonin or CBD? I don't try things. Delta 8? Melatonin, maybe. I go back to that. That's good. Anyway, here we are. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat. And I'm Mike. And And boy, boy, do we we have have a show show for you. Today on RMA, (laughs) we finally wrap up our discussion of Alcohol is Shit by Paul Churchill. And Aaron Moore joins us for an all-new Get Smart with Aaron Moore. On a very special edition on of a Recovery very in the Middle Ages. special edition. <laughs> um, yeah, we're just a little discombobulated, had a little... Our, com- our computer stopped working for a minute, so we, we recorded the next four minutes and then realized that we didn't. So, uh, so we, we're going to try and make it sound as lively and interesting as it may have been earlier. Just saying the same thing, but uh, visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and more. And more. Uh, much, much more. Great reviews will be read on the show. Open your Apple Podcast app, search for our show, click the drunk bunk, scroll down to where it says reviews, then write a review. Give us five stars and say how much you love us. And I think we got a review? We did. Uh we got review. two. We got an email. Actually, the guy sent us an email March of <laughs> this year. Apparently, it was addressed to me, but I never saw it, or I saw um, it and didn't know what to do with it. And Nat and I are still learning the ins and outs of checking email. It's uh, it's apparently a, a skill that we've yet to master because we both have like because we're actually CIA agents. We both have like twenty five different email addresses. So see, I thought email was just a gay sex doll. That's a email. Yeah, that's a weak one. Yeah, I same. wish I could get a smaller drum <laughs> roll <laughs> like sound uh, like this one. Yeah, yeah that's, right. that's the bad joke. That's the one. Anyway, uh, so we got a nice um, review slash email from uh, Eric in uh, Colorado. Yes, thank you, Eric. Yeah, he's given us permission to use his name as I nervously glance at the computer to make sure it's still recording. Yes, okay. This is uh, take two. Um, okay, so here we go. Are you blowing your nose into the microphone? Why did I do that? Really? I don't know why I did that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll we never need do one of those cough buttons, right? Shouldn't uh, that the, would the be real pros have these? Doesn't things. that machine have a cough button? It does not. Have it a cost cough extra button. to get yeah, the cough extra, button, right? Uh, after okay, so here we go. A review of RMA after. I'm sorry. After a web search of middle-aged recovery, I found your podcast somewhere around. Why was he searching middle-aged recovery? That's so weird. Is (laughs) that a real search term? But that is exactly what we want. People who search that will find us. I just thought I was being clever when we came up with that name, but it's actually a search term that people are thinking. Uh, And I I would hope we're number one. (laughs) Because, I mean, what else? What else would be number one with that search term? Anyway, after a web search of middle-aged recovery, I found your podcast somewhere around episode three last year. I've looked forward to a new show dropping every Friday since. Usually I listen to it when I'm walking the dog. It's a great service that you and Mike provide. Please consider this my five-star rating for the show as I listen to it on Spotify and don't know how to leave feedback on that platform. Neither do we. 
We don't. (laughs) We just say Spotify's metrics are a mystery to me. Um, Anyway, a brief synopsis of my drinking story is as follows. I began drinking as a teenager and my consumption ebbed and flowed over the years. My choice of alcohol was mostly beer for about two decades. Yep. Uh, My drinking pattern cycled from heavy to periods of abstinence that tightened up to very little time without a drink. Uh, During this time, I didn't miss work as a functional abuser of alcohol. My wife tired of my drinking and negotiated with me to only drink on the weekends. Mm. Just, yeah, that's a good negotiation. That's something I would have taken that You deal. get five days and I get two. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, just to, to be drunk. Uh, with three children at home, I have the same situation. I found it necessary to take on additional employment to make ends meet. Bummer. Uh, one of my side jobs included delivering the local free independent paper weekly paper weekly. Uh, Often inside the newspaper box, I would find empty pints of Kentucky Deluxe whiskey bottles. Mm, Sounds deluxe. Uh, That's funny because, you know, whenever I go running and I run every day, the thing that I find most often scattered on the side of the road are like one ounce vodka nips. They're they're like an epidemic of them all up and down. I used to hide. I I, I went through a period when I was hiding airplane bottles. I mean, I wonder if it's the same person because they just drive around throwing them out the window, you know? Anyway, um, so deluxe Kentucky Deluxe. I decided to try a bottle of that $4 hooch for myself and was sold. Uh, Economical, and it fucks you up. (laughs) I would buy fancy craft beer and chase it with the cheap whiskey to get me where I wanted to be. Wow. My Friday and Saturday drinking drifted into Sunday, and my wife had enough. She said uh, we could no longer stay together as a couple if I continued drinking. Uh, with 22 years of marriage, I reluctantly decided to try sobriety, which is interesting. <laughs> 22 years of marriage, cheap Kentucky whiskey. Yeah, okay, let me it. give the sobriety a try. Uh, I made an appointment at the local VA medical center and enrolled in their outpatient recovery program. The program was based on the matrix model. The matrix model. <laughs> like a that, Neo they give you a red pill or a blue right. pill when you get there. Neo and Trinity? Yes. I don't know. Um, I got to check that. Yeah, let's figure out what that is. Twice a week for about three months. I finished the program and have been sober since October of 2018. This has not been easy for me. I find that reading recovery books and listening to podcasts such as yours helps me to keep in mind that this is going to be a lifelong struggle. And there are folks out there in similar situations with both good advice and cautionary tales and bad advice occasionally. (laughs) It's my editorial comment. Uh, Thanks again for taking your time to make the show. Sincerely, Cooling It in Colorado. So thanks, man. That was awesome. Yeah. One thing I was thinking while you were reading it, and I don't want to forget it, um, is that this idea, and I hear this all the time in the rooms and meetings and therapy, they say, like, the lifelong struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to say that, at least for me, and I think, Mike, that... Every day is not a struggle to stay clean off of alcohol and narcotics. Like, and not if now. it is, no, I mean, like when you first get clean, like, yes, it is a struggle. It is difficult. But if a year or two goes by and you're still struggling like that, mm. you're not doing something that you should be in your program. Right. You, I mean, the whole point of getting clean and sober, besides the direct health uh, benefits, is that you it'll you'll be happy you will love your life like all the things that we get to do now even though it's a lot and it's kind of crazy but that's enjoyable mm. uh, i mean for, at least for me with the program i'm you know right. working um i don't struggle every day it's no and i don't think like i said i don't know what about you mike i i don't have you heard that before though i have but i have to say like if you're 
if you're living in a constant state of, of feeling deprived and that you want to get outside of your own head, then, you know, maybe it's time to start turning the lens inward and, yeah. you know, develop a meditation practice or something that kind of gets at the root of why you you're feeling like you need that. You know, I mean, some of it's just a habit, you know, you, you get in the habit of when things get a little, um, difficult, you, you tune it, you tune it out with, uh, some $4 Kentucky whiskey right. and, and some of it, some, some of it is just, you know, maybe there's a, some subconscious thing that's pushing you to, you know, cover up some of the stuff inside your head that you really need to get out. Right. You know? So don't, don't struggle every day is what we're saying, that there's programs and there's things you can do that aren't programs, just like what you said, meditating, and you can learn to live with joy and not feel that there's something lacking. Uh, Paul Churchill talks about that as you know, he doesn't think of not drinking as, well, what is he not going to be able to do mm-hmm. and, and, and how it's going to deprive him. But it's like now the world has opened up yes. and there's all this other joy out there. Um, and I do mean joy. I'm not saying that facetiously. Uh, and it's out there. So recovery isn't necessarily a struggle every day for the rest of your life. It, you know, you struggle at first and then it's beautiful. And that's a current thread that runs through a lot of the so-called like alternative recovery. And maybe it's a thread in AA too. Um, you know, you're, the, the end goal of all this is, is you know, a joyful Happy life. Yeah. <laughs> Not one where you're or as, obsessed as Bill, with, you know, the idea of Or a catapult, of as they say in AA, catapult me into the fourth dimension. Oh, is that? That's a thing. Yeah. yeah fourth dimension is oh, something. Bill, in Bill the, did take a lot yeah. of acid. So. <laughs> That's um, definitely an acid line. So the, the, just to, you know, apropos of our conversation about Paul Churchill, that we're going to be picking up the thread on that a little, in a little bit. Uh, he, ha- he starts every chapter of that book, Alcohol is Shit, with um, something called... Um, saddle up. You, well, <laughs> he says that's saddle he, up. That's how he ends the chapter. Oh. He starts it with uh, saddle this, up. this thing that he does uh, on the podcast, which is, you may have a drinking problem if... And then he lets the, you know, his, his, his folks fill in, the, yeah, yep. fill in the gap. So and one of them I remember that's apropos to Eric's situation is you might have a drinking problem if you switch from beer to hard liquors because beer makes you too full to drink more. <laughs> so more alcohol. So yeah, alcohol. I just read that one this morning. It's interesting. Anyway, have we reached the life update portion of our show? No, I'd just like to announce oh, that. I have an announcement to make. Oh, um, Our web developer, web, my webmaster, I guess you'd call him Utpal, is working on our shopping cart for the website. It might even be live now, but I haven't checked it. So we're going to have a very easy-to-find link on the homepage at middleagesrecovery.com, and you'll be able to buy with credit card or whatever else. You just click just like a regular shopping Mm -hmm. cart, and we will, or Mike will, ship a shirt out to you because he is the shipping czar. Apparently, we've decided. uh, So we're going to have new stuff, too. We've got to talk to Jeff D about some other fun stuff. Which is not Tacoma Jeff, who is now Alabama Jeff. And right. it's not Jeff AA Jeff. No, it's Jeff D. Jeff D. Um, D. So uh, that, that reminds me that Eric um, from Colorado would also like a shirt. Uh, uh, and we won't I, announce his size, just in case some people are... No, I wasn't going to say his size, but... I'm he just kidding. He's just an he, he probably would like <laughs> Most to, to know how much it is and how to pay for it. Yeah, so here's what I was thinking. Um... Well, it, we were thinking $30 on the shirt, 
I think that's par for the course. Yeah. And then we'll just do the flat rate USPS, like seven, eight bucks or something. Okay. So $30 plus postage and handling. Uh, it's Erica, a nice shirt, I will too. get back to you. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, weave, really the weave is really good. It's yeah. soft. Uh, it's not a cheap cotton thing. No, you'll, it, it's eminently wearable. And if you look, you can see um, print, printer Jeff modeling the shirt on our Facebook page. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So looking forward to All start right. shipping those out. Um, it was my son's birthday over this last week on the, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was great. I'm so, so proud of that little kid. He turned seven and, um, the last birthday he had was like just when we got locked down. He was six then. Yeah, that's when he turned six. Very good. <laughs> Math. Uh, and it was cute. Like, we had the drive-by thing, and we did our best to make up for it with the over-buying gifts and, mm. you know, all of that kind of thing. We even somehow got the fire department to come swing by. And wow. Is, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how that happened. I not the police. Not the police, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, Probably not a good idea. Don't ever want to see the police yeah. driving up to my house again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was really cool, and... We were able, we couldn't do a big party. Um, and he's such a, an empathetic little kid. Like, he, he is all the good stuff that about me. And my older oh, son what is a nice thing to say. more of the <laughs> sardonic, sarcastic scheming. But he, yeah. I, lo- I love them both. But yes. Max is an, like an angel. And um, I was just so proud of him because uh, he was just so happy to have his couple of friends that he's really close with. That's great. And uh, we went to a bowling alley party, which... It was so cheap. Like right now, parties for kids are dirt mm, cheap. Like that's amazing. Before the pandemic, you would drop five, six hundred bucks just to rent the room or something like that. The bowling alleys had you over a barrel, man. But yeah. I remember back because they had like back to back parties and yeah. it was expensive. We as didn't hell. pay. I don't think we ever did. Oh yeah, we did. We, we did paid like ninety dollars for three hours or just two hours, and then. Of, of as many games as we wanted. That's not even $100. No and then I was able to buy the video game cards for the kids so they could run around. Right. But like compared to what it used to be, forget it. Just nobody, I guess it's a sign of the times. Nobody wants to risk their lives <laughs> at a seven-year-old's <laughs> birthday. Ball. You know? but, well, you uh, sent me a, a great picture from, from there. Uh, you were sitting in the, or near the bar, the bowling alley bar. And it brought back to mind the fact that the bowling alley bar was where I... Um, some of my initial forays into mixed drinks. Yeah, uh, when that's I was when you started 16, um, <laughs> You know, the bowling alley in, in the next town over was known for um, being a little loosey-goosey with uh, ID requirements. Mm. So that was the first place I had an Alabama slammer. <laughs> you know, I'll have an Alabama slammer, yeah, sir, I, I if you I thought please. I was like Mr. Sophisticated ordering the <laughs> Alabama slammer, <laughs> yeah. which was not even sophisticated in 1983 when I was doing it. Yeah, I, I, I did send you a picture. What was I? Because I, I didn't I have some larger point to make when I sent that? Did Probably, I? but all I saw was the, was yeah. the bar. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes I get ideas for the yeah. show when I'm out and I try and write it down so I don't forget it. Um, so the big present I wanted to say for my little guy was a gigantic trampoline. Nice. Um, and I've been against it. Yeah. Um, for a while, because I think it's, you know, dangerous. It's a, it's a lawsuit magnet. It is, it is. But who am I going to sue? They're going to sue me when the kid breaks his well, exactly. neck. exactly. Yeah. So I'm making... Oh, and uh, many homeowners' policies have specific exclusions for trampolines. You may want to look into that. Well, we're going to have um, an insurance waiver, or what do you call that? Yeah. A hold harmless that yeah. kids have to sign when they come over. Uh, but in any case, he was really happy. And my other son also loved the trampoline. In fact... 
in order to get uh, Noah to read for school uh, the other night, I said, let's go onto the trampoline with blankets and pillows. It oh, was yeah. dark. I saw that picture. And yeah, we nice. laid down and he did his reading, which is very difficult for me to get him to do because mm. he just hates it. And uh, we looked up at the stars and we hung out out there and it was really nice. That's great. Then he made me start jumping on it and he could just, and this is like nine, ah. nine o'clock. And how many days ago was that? A couple. That's why your back hurts. I know. And I, uh, I threw my back out really bad yesterday. Um, just standing up and, um, it's, I'm in a lot of pain. I mean, it's not as bad today. I've been doing, I take ibuprofen about 800 milligrams, uh, in the morning, which sounds like a lot, but that's what works. Gosh, that would tear my stomach to pieces. Well, I only did it today and, and yesterday. Yeah. And I did um, the uh, menthol roll-on. Well, I thought you were going to say cigarettes. <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> menthol cigarettes, which are in the news right now. <laughs> and uh, it feels a lot better, but uh, I am in pain. Yeah, you know, the, the trampoline actually... Whenever I go on it, it messes up my lower back, and I don't even have back problems. So Ben is always trying to get yeah. me on the trampoline. I know. I have to just put my foot down yeah. because um, it hurts way too much. We've had kids on the trampoline uh, every day. We have, we have a trampoline also, and uh, we've become the... The trampoline house? Yeah, we've become the Norman Rockwell place where the kids all collect oh, in my geez. backyard. So it's like... But, you know, some of the kids on my block, some of them which yes, <laughs> you know, know, are a little... I don't know. Off the yeah. Wall. I don't know how to exactly say it. <laughs> it's a but sweet it's, kid. Yeah, I'd say I occasionally have to throw one of them out when he starts swinging the baseball bat at the other one's heads. Yeah. <laughs> or how about when they jump on the electric scooters? Yeah, or well, they turn on your motorcycle. Yeah, I have to kind of monitor the toys, uh, so to speak. You know. Hey, did you walk past your church and try and hide from someone? Oh yeah. Well. I, I don't know. I listened to last week's episode of Dopey, and I got all self-righteous about listening to, to our erstwhile guest, Dave, talk about, you know, being the at the vanguard of the alt-recovery movement. <laughs> for some reason, it just sticks in my craw, because that alt-recovery movement's been chugging along just fine for years, you know, but whatever. For a year. It's, oh, maybe it hasn't been called that. Yeah, I think it has been. I feel like it was um, the, uh, uh, a caller, uh, Jamie who also listens to our show. And I think she was supposedly the one, I think, mm. that coined the term. Yeah, I heard that. I listened yeah. to that too. And I think it so you don't think it was Jamie. Jamie as well. But yeah. wh- whatever. I mean, you know, I love Dave. He's a, as you say, he's a mensch. He's, he's a, a mensch. He's a, he's a good guy. Um, but anyway, I, so I'm, I'm having this animated text conversation with you at the end of my run as I'm walking past the church. And I'm like, and another thing, I've been trying to hide from the priest because I haven't gone back to church in three weeks, you know, three weeks. And regulars clockwork. The guy pops out of the door of the rectory. He just stands there and looking at me. And I just give him a little wave, and I, I kept going. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Did we're, you cross yourself and we were, reflect? You know what? We were also talking about comparing AA with the Catholic Church. There's, there's something about that we did in our conversation as well. Yeah. Oh, I think okay. My point about comparing AA to the Catholic Church was only in the respect that you know. A, a church or a quote-unquote religion uh, is only as good as the people in it. Mm, and that, right. you know, just like AA, that's why some people, oh, I went to an AA meeting and I hated it, you know, mm-hmm. and it was terrible and blah, blah, blah. And that's why we say, well, you got to go to another meeting, right. keep going right. to meetings. It's the same thing with churches. I mean, most, if you go along with the overall principles of like Christianity, right. most churches don't have like extra rules 
that are, you know, something you wouldn't agree with. Like it's usually very subtle unless it's like the snake handlers or uh, Latter-day Saints. There's a lot of Baptists and so forth that have quite a few rules about dancing. You're not supposed to stick your thing and all this kind of stuff. Dancing, right, exactly. Dancing, sure. But that's Uh, not, I mean, but the truth is if you found... Uh, a church of Baptists that had people that were open-minded, that were trying to yeah. like, help the community. Like, you wouldn't care if it was in a Baptist church. No, I'm not singling out the Baptists. But, so there's yeah. even even in Catholic churches, you oh, have yes. church to church, things are different. So that's just one way I would say don't judge a church by your experience at whatever church you went to or visited, and don't judge all of AA by one or two meetings that you didn't like and my or point didn't go to. was that if you don't accept the fundamental tenets or belief system of the organization from the get-go, then you're not going to be successful going to church and you're not going to be successful, you know, engaging with that particular paradigm for recovery. Yeah. You know, one of the few things that I didn't go along with for the Presbyterian church um, was the, the, the gay marriage or gay being bad or something like that. And it, but they actually recently from on high, the, the head of the, corporation or whatever of the Presbyterian, <laughs> uh, it's allowed now. I mean, it's been allowed for three or four years that you can uh, have a gay marriage in Presbyterian church and it's official. So I not said, to get too down in the weeds, but isn't there a, a group of Presbyterian churches that are splintering off from the main group over that I think very that's issue? A, that's Episcopals. Really? I think that's the Episcopal church. I thought it was Presbyterians, but it okay. Might, it what might do be I know? too, but no, I'm pretty sure that was Episcopals. So, um, well, it's a good thing he didn't stop you and talk to you. Because then what? Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I've been running, actually. Um, I did it three times so far in the past week or so. That's great, man. And I'm taking my running shoes and I'm doing it, man. And I just, I feel great doing it when my back isn't thrown out. And I was, uh, after I ran and I was kind of doing my walk off when I was, you know, warming down, I was just thinking about how full my life is these days. And I know we complain about, oh, I've got too much to do. I'm so busy and it's driving me nuts, which it is. But the truth of the matter is I could have, you know, when I was using, I could have never like even remotely imagined doing a 10th of the things that I do and which like brings me joy today, you know. One of the things I did, and a lot of people when they use, is they isolate. Mm-hmm. And so before I went down the uh, the tubes, you could say, I, uh, I had friends. I was in bands. I was doing my company. I had my own business, um, family. I was close with everybody. And I, my world was big. And the more I used and the more I isolated, the smaller my world got. I mean, everything pretty pretty much disappeared, and I couldn't even notice it. Because the only thing I would think about is using mm-hmm. and getting more, you know, and um, it, it's just it's amazing, and I've got more than I could have ever dreamed of, and sometimes it's too too much. But I was just once in a while, I I just have gratitude mm-hmm. and thank God, like you know what, um, this is great, you know, and I am happy even when it's tough and we're fighting with the kids or right whatever. But it really is really is a miracle overall. Yeah, a great improvement. Like doing I, this podcast, I could have never done this. Plus, finished college. Plus, you know, all of the all of the stuff. Yeah, I'm just and it just makes my life so much more full than it used to be. It's and it, true. There's no room for using. There isn't right. even room for drinking. Where for would me. you even slot it in? That's the thing. Like I, my schedule is so tight these days. Like I, I wouldn't have when, time. When am I setting aside? Yeah. You know, two days to have 
have a Coke bender. It's just, <laughs> it's like a little mental, mental vacation, I guess, um, was the way I used to look at those. But, um, you know, the funny, the thing about isolation and, and that I always have had sort of, um, I don't know. I, I, I always looked at that idea with, with some trepidation because there, people have different thresholds, right. For, for their, desire and ability to interact with other people. I mean, right. there are introverts that find like interacting with people to be, um, like even on a regular exhausting, day. you right. know, like those people on that, uh, national geographic channel where their job is to go to like the Arctic and watch like a, um, a warehouses or something mm-hmm. while it's off season. Cause it just, just in case. See, that sounds like an awesome job. Isn't it really? <laughs> I want to go to Antarctica. <laughs> I just want to watch a warehouse for six months in Antarctica. Yeah. And you just have to survive. Um, but I guess point being, you know, any any sort of thing that says you you have to interact with people or that's you know bad for your mental health, I, I question that a little bit because I think I think while some communication with people is is important uh, because you know we're a communicative species, uh, people have very well wide variety in their tolerance for other people. Right. I mean, being so, solitary yeah. isn't a hundred percent of the time bad well and i think and i think maybe sometimes the emphasis is too much on to be constantly busy and doing things and everything at the expense of taking some time for self-care and for um just you know getting you know like meditating or whatever you know just being by yourself i think is important i think i agree and i think for me the trick is finding a balance like now i've been go 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 for these past three years um, that, that I'm clean and, um, but I don't have a lot of balance. Mm. So now I've kept myself so busy that I didn't have time to use, but now I'm trying to, okay, I'm going to make some time here or there. Like, that's why I'm starting the, ex- the exercising, starting right. the running. Like these right. are things I'm doing for myself. Um, this podcast, I'm doing it, uh, for myself and, uh, and the recovery work that I do is for myself, but balance, I think balance is, is I mean, definitely that's, we're huge. all trying to attain it and it's elusive. One last thing on the life department, which I was amused, amused myself the other day. Uh, you know, you may recall about a year ago, um, when I started, um, we right, right about the time we started the podcast, my older son was experimenting with, um, some, <laughs> marijuana 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 and uh uh you know i i did a um walk through of his room at one point and found a bunch of stuff that i thought he shouldn't have i stuck it in a box and then i stuck that box inside of another box and i <laughs> like forgot about it for a year but the box i stuck it in was the kayak stuff so i go in there the other day to sort of get the you know life jackets ready for the season whatever and i find this box and i look inside i'm like oh, i should probably do something with this stuff and then yeah. you know i pull out a baggie and there's weed oh there. man you were handling and, drugs that's right you text yeah. me. and i and i pull out a little scale oh. and i like and then there's a something called a grinder which i never to get know, the seeds out. I never used such a thing. And then there was like a couple of batteries and a couple of, um, uh, what do you, vape cartridges oh, and stuff. You had vape cartridges? Had vape cartridges full of Where does t- he kush. get that shit? You know, who knows, you know? I mean, but, you know, anybody that thinks that a town like ours, you can't find drugs, is, is you can absolutely well, apparently find drugs. Just ask John the can man. He knows. Oh, yeah? He was like, I would never buy Cracking this down. I'm like, you wouldn't? Like, uh, you have, like, I would walk to Syosset or Hempstead. Syosset? <laughs> he knows somebody in Syosset. So, uh, long story short, I'm like, you know, I, I, 
I'm like, ah, I don't want to throw this stuff away. It like has some value. I'm like, the scale must be mm. worth something. And, and then I'm like, why don't I want to throw this stuff away? Uh, and so then I take the weed and I weigh it on the scale. And I'm like, oh, that's 10 grams, you know? And I'm like, you know what? Let me just put this stuff in a bag, <laughs> the garbage. Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah, and then it's gone out of the house. But uh, that's what we call a reservation. And I'm very proud of it. A reservation? You. Yes. Oh. Like, like at, a res- at a restaurant. Except in recovery, when we say, I've got a reservation, it means like in the back of my mind, there's still a date in the future oh. or something that could happen that would make it okay for me to use. Like I'm doing great, but if my wife ever, something ever happened to my marriage, I would drink. Or when I'm old and gray, yeah, but a lot of people say that they do, but they also say that that's bad for your recovery today to be yeah. thinking in those terms because you're leaving the door open. And so you're not completely, you know, if you say, well, once I retire, like Dave always says, mm-hmm. you know, when am I going to retire and just be smoking marijuana on my porch, the brothers. which to me sounds very innocent. And yeah. to me, that sounds great for him, you know, yeah, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't make him feel happy. And I think what they say in recovery is that if you have those kinds of reservations, that you you won't be fully happy when you're clean. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I know I don't think so in those terms. You, well, you don't because you were able to throw it out. See, if you had a true reservation that was in a you know hurting your recovery, you wouldn't have been able to get rid well, of it's, it. It's also because you'd say one day I'm going to need this. It's also just weed. I mean. Yeah, and that discussion we had last week. Just weed, bit, right? Just weed, but uh, yeah. anyway, tis what it is. Sorry, tis. we're we got a lot. Yeah, what should we do? Now? We we have to conclude alcoholish shit. Um, I know we we did a great couple two parts in it, and guys, let us know what you thought of those um of the alcohol shit discussion the past two weeks. Uh, we thought it was great, and mm-hmm. um, there was just a few more points we wanted to touch on before we got uh, Aaron on the phone. Uh, and um, where did we uh, leave off last week? Where did we leave off last week? Somewhere around, I don't think I have the paper. Anyway, somewhere around, don't, don't worry about it. We, yeah. we, we got to kind of race through this anyway. A um, couple things that I just thought were unique to Churchill's uh, approach mm. that we should probably talk about. One is um, plant medicine. Like he got very, he went down to Columbia and did a bunch of ayahuasca and said that his life, basically he could break it in two. Uh, the time period before he did plant medicine and the time period afterwards. And it must have made a huge impression on him with respect to his recovery, but he he had already been alcohol-free for about like five years when he did that. Yeah, he. I mean, I remember he did an episode on uh, the recovery elevator where he like came clean that he had done this ayahuasca Mm -hmm. and it caused a huge uproar uh, in the community. But... um, you know, he says it like a lot of people that the ayahuasca ceremony completely it gave him a breakthrough, a psychic breakthrough, right? Ego um, death. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I remember the when I did acid for the first time in mushrooms in high school. Afterwards, after the first time, I felt that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a feeling that I knew something now. Yeah, I saw the world, like everything, you know, all at once, you know, and. Um, I understand that. The problem is it's transitory state. You know, right. it, you can't keep doing that. It every stays. Week. It, it stays with you. Maybe it shows you a path or a way forward. But you know, I mean, I don't know a lot of people that abuse psychedelics. Well, well, in high school, <laughs> let me, let me roll that back. Uh, the Grateful Dead show 
you know, caravan up and down the East Coast, there were people that definitely were abusing psychedelics. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it got in my way in high school. I was doing it, um, you know, maybe every weekend, but it was started to mess with my relationships. My mm. girlfriend at the time, uh, it drove her nuts when I would do it. Uh, and well, so you, it you was affecting go to me. school. You'd be your child of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, one day, um, I had driver's ed, uh, that afternoon and somebody passed me a half a hit of acid on my way to oh my class. God. And I, he's, I said, well, what is this? And he goes, Oh, it's been in my, I just found it. It was in my, been in my wallet a long time. It's probably no good. And I said, oh, okay, I can take it. <laughs> so I dropped that acid and I, I went to the boarding school, so it was a very strict private school. I was mm-hmm. wearing a tie and all of that stuff, the right. whole uniform. But I began to trip my balls, <laughs> my balls off. And <laughs> the, one of the things I remember, I had about three hours left in the day before I had to go to driver's ed. And uh, I really started tripping. And I got into French class, and everything was moving. And not only that, but they were all speaking French. Because in my school, in French <laughs> class, you weren't allowed to speak English. Right. It was all French. So... Oh my God, just everything is swirling and flipping. And then everyone's speaking French. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't keep my eyes open. Finally, I make it out of there. And I realize uh, I have driver's ed. I'm like, holy shit, hopefully I won't have to drive today because you would switch off. Yeah. Turns out I had to drive oh that day. Oh my God. And I didn't get past Chapman Parkway Um because I was driving like two miles an hour. And the, the teacher was like, uh, okay, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And I'm just barely moving, barely moving. And then finally, he's like, why don't you get out and someone else will drive? And That's uh, like uh, Cheech and Chong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're like, how am I driving, man? Hey, I think we're parked. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like that. Anyway, I haven't told that story in a long time, but it happened. Jesus Christ. Um, but, you know, tripping so, okay. can take you out of yourself and it can give you a perspective. So I guess if you go down to Columbia and take ayahuasca and it helps you in your recovery, great. <laughs> the message I want to convey. Um, the, other, the other thing that's sort of unique to him is the whole, um, he, he has a chapter on AA and he says, um, you know, generally a good program, he got sober with AA, but the thing that he takes exception to is the anonymity part. Because he's all about burning the ships, and right. uh, he he can't quite square the circle where AA says that you're only as sick as your secrets, but the fact that you're in recovery should be a secret. Right, and um, I I kind of go like I understand why anonymity is important for AA. You know why it's a, a really important thing. It's probably one of the things that like makes people feel comfortable going there. Yeah, but I think at some point, you know, like for me, it's I'm always happier once one of my friends knows that I don't drink. I mean, mm. they don't need to know everything about it. They don't need to know the names of the other people I'm in recovery with, right? you know, or what the name of the program is, it, it, you know, who cares? But um, I think I agree with it, burning the ships, you know, like once they know you can't drink or don't drink, there's less of a chance that they'll not see you drink, you know? So it's another level of accountability. Right. Um, the only the, the flip side to that though is that you know with the stigma the social stigma that still exists um, if you if you end up putting that out into the world uh, it it may cause you problems professionally it may cause you you know problems personally and you know I I I'd, I'd be more worried I mean I am worried about professional 
stuff, not right. like personal stuff. Right. You don't want to be judged. I mean, in your profession, you have, people have to respect you and your knowledge and mm-hmm. you being, you know, and if they think you're so, but I feel like the attitudes towards, um, recovery and addiction is more advanced now socially than ever before, especially with people like Hunter Biden, you know, writing that book and right. coming out and, uh, some celebrities, you know, making it public, um, even if they're doing California sober or whatever, but it's being talked about. It's a little more acceptable. Um, that show Louder Milk, which just got renewed for a third season, which is uh, Ron Livingston, and he's a leader of a quote sober friends group. Mm. And but it's very accurate in depicting like the mentality people have in those group meetings. What's it called? Louder Milk. Where is that? Where would it's, one find uh, Right now it's on Amazon Prime. Hmm. And it's really, I, I say everybody go watch this. If you've ever been in recovery or are and go to these rooms, like it's every archetype of the people that you meet in rooms, like the different kind. It, hmm. He nails it. Cool. And it's very dry humor. It's very quick. And uh, three seasons. It's very good. All right. It's I could talk about Paul Churchill all day. Apparently, I burn the ships. We're not going to do that because um, we have other things. We, I don't want to yeah. leave Aaron hanging out there. Yeah. So. Finally, let's. Um, you know, we should say you should read this book, "Alcohol Is Shit" by Paul Churchill. We get a lot out of it, and we think you will too. Yes. Um, and having said that, it's time for me to go to the bathroom. <laughs> we'll be okay, right back more. after these messages. back from our um, middle increasingly bit. frequent bathroom breaks. Um, so, okay. So the main topic this week is uh, all things sobriety. Uh, in the pandemic. In the pandemic. Before, during, after, uh, and how people have, you know. Adapted. Uh, adapted. Or, or not adapted. <laughs> Maybe I should have wrote a nice yeah. pithy paragraph, but. Um, yeah. I yeah. think this is, you know, uh, something that everybody in recovery, whether they're thinking about it or not, is, is dealing with. You know, some of us, when the pandemic hit, um, went off the deep end and relapsed and, are, you know, their lives are like a thousand times worse now. Right. And some people, yeah, that happened, but they pulled it together and they learned the new media and they found new ways to stay sober. So, uh, without further adieu, um, this is Get Smart with Erin Moore. And she picks up because it's going to happen. This is live radio, folks. <laughs> this is live radio. Anything can happen. What are we going to do if she doesn't pick up? Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging. Well, I guess we could just talk about Paul Churchill for another half an hour. Let me try that again. Um, Is she... What? She knows we're calling, right? Yeah. Okay. What Are we like just really late? Uh, 10.30? Is that late? No, it's not that late. Let's try it again. <laughs> she may be on another call. Can't make this stuff up. No, why would you? Hello. Hey. hey. <laughs> Sorry about that. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't remember. 
what I, I guess we were doing it earlier last time. So welcome, or later, Aaron one, one Moore. Of the two. Later, yeah, later. <laughs> so next time we will make sure that uh, we all agree on the time. And we had some technical difficulties. Um, and uh, in other words, we did about ten minutes worth of the show, and then it wasn't recording, which is we have to go back and do it again. Um, so uh, we were a little crazy, but um, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, pretty well. Crazy, crazy here too. Uh, when you said we, we were, you know, technical difficulties, I thought same. Yeah, mm. maybe it's so, that's in the just ether. in general. Have, <laughs> have you noticed it's getting uh, everything's getting busier now? Like as uh, so crazy. Yeah, yeah, things are starting to reemerge. Yep, like uh, those. Yeah. What are those bugs? The, the lightning bugs? No, the ones that are coming come out every seventeen years. The cicadas. Oh. This is a cicada year. Me? Yeah, right. <laughs> a cicada year. Yeah, and it's all happening at once. You know, we went. Speaking of that, we're going to be talking about uh, pandemic recovery. But one of the things that's happening right now, which is going to send a lot of people back to using is all of a sudden we went from quarantining and not leaving your house to <laughs> now we've got to be in a hundred places at the same time. Yes. Yeah. To make up for all the, the places we didn't bother to get dressed to go to. Yeah. yeah I know. Um, <laughs> and getting dressed is just the whole thing. I've, I've, I've uh, been on about having to wear hard pants and hard shoes now on a regular basis. Yeah. A lot. And, uh, yeah, maybe uh, some of the suit companies will, like Brooks Brothers went out of business because nobody <laughs> needs a $3,000 suit anymore. Nobody wants to go back to that, though. Yeah. No, I always, whoever makes, whoever makes pajamas and yoga pants, we don't actually do yoga and made, had it made. I used to dream of a day where I might have a job that would require me to spend a lot of money on a Brooks Brothers suit. I really did. There's really? one of those things. It's because, yeah. and it never happened. Well, and my, it never will. I don't know how how it is where you are, Aaron. But my kids are go like they go to school in their pajamas now, like Pretty their much. pajama <laughs> bottoms. They'll put them on and just roll yes. out the door. And I'm like, are you allowed to do that? I sell those at my store. They had to make. <laughs> they had to put that in the dress code at my son. My son graduated last year, but I remember when they put that in the dress code. No, no because I, I yeah, I would see kids walking up there with like a whole blanket around them and like <laughs> paj- full pajamas and like some bunny dirty bunny slippers. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, like I remember, Walmart, kind of. Yeah, I remember going to high school. You used to get dressed up nice because you wanted to impress the ladies or whatever, and you know. And you now got dressed up nice. I would just try and look like crisscross. Well, you know? well, Chris actually, Cross nobody was jump. impressing the ladies at my all boys Catholic high school. Yeah, but I that's had another a, story. I had a backwards jersey You're on. Cross the gosh to the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're wearing backwards. <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy. Well, now these days, I just I look amazing at all times. I just wear the same jeans I'm, every I'm day. I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Think of that's it like one a of uniform. the nice things about yeah. Well, honestly, that's one of the nice things about uh, having your own gig. Yeah, yeah. But um, you set the dress code. It feels good to look good. Well, and your dress code. You want to set what you're trying to sell, right? That's right. It's not like making your own program. Boy. Right. It's like making your own recovery program. And I just wanted to say that Erin uh, has done a really great job on the um, on this segment, and she has a name for it, this title, which I thought was brilliant. Are you ready for it? Sobriety. Are you ready for this? Sobriety of pandemic proportions. And with that, and I, tell us. I, first, I must thank you for that, because every week, Nat and I are like, what is the title of the show going to be? Yeah, we could week? use that we in could, the title. And we're going to use yes. it in the title, so All right, we cool. don't have to. Good, good, yeah. So tell us about this sobriety. Trademark, a little trademark sign next to it. Guys. Yes, we'll TM it. So yeah. What have you learned? What, what, what did you discover about. What have I learned? Yes. Well, um, you know, as far as 
just trying to roll and adapt with with changes. You know, one of the communities, uh, and you can see that throughout all the all the reportings, even in New York Times and various places, which um, mm-hmm. I'll post some reference to in our show notes. But um, you know, all, all like the the communities hit really hard. Are communities that need a lot more support in general already mm-hmm. the way things usually operate like substance use like mental health like some of the places that rely on you know face-to-face in-person contact as part of you getting better right and so when this occurs something like what we've experienced over the last year and some change um you know what we know is that one of the defining features of those support programs um groups whether it be 12 step or whatever, uh, for substance and alcohol use disorders is the live one alcoholic or addict helping another, uh, right. system, right? So right. Going not, to some of these guys, times a week. some of these guys don't, or people like, like my, um, my friend from town, John, the can man, who we talk about sometimes, um, he's a perfect example of a guy. He didn't have a cell phone before the pandemic. He doesn't have a home. Um, you know, he's at, but uh, he gets services from the um, one of these centers that you know operates on Medicaid or Medicare, and and it went to AA meetings, and now all of that has stopped. He doesn't mm-hmm. know how to get a Zoom meeting; like that doesn't register with him. Like, shift gears, yeah. yeah. So I mean, the people like that. Are, luckily, he stayed sober, but there's a lot of people in that same position. Like we don't all aren't all savvy with the internet. Well, yeah, and some of. Some of that is, you know, when you look at, as someone who does a uh, service, whether it's, you know, something, if you were involved in, in chairing meetings or any kind of service uh, previously, one way that some of us have continued to be a service is uh, early on in the pandemic, I knew there were some people that weren't coming to the Zoom meetings primarily because they didn't know how to use it. And a lot of them didn't want to say that, right? Like I wouldn't, you know, I, I would have a hard time saying like, I don't know how to do this. Someone help me. Um, and partially because that's kind of how alcoholics and addicts tend to be a little more than some others as far as I can do this or I don't want to admit that I don't know what I'm doing, right? And so what I did was I set up these, I guess for lack of a better term, clinics or whatever after some of our regular meetings where I would tell them like, you know, this is a beginner's you know, technology meeting. So if you come, you don't know what you're doing, I'm here to show you. Like that's mm. all okay and a place you know, that wasn't a meeting in progress where they felt like they were disruptive or possibly might be that I walked. And some of them that wanted to take their own meetings, and I mean, we're talking like straight up boomers and older <laughs> that wanted to take their own meetings to Zoom, but had never even, you know, had didn't know how to do that. And so I would walk them through That's basic so cool. hosting things, you know, so, how to mute somebody, how to get someone out, because a lot of them worried about Zoom bombers and a lot of the anxiety around the technology kept people out. And, and I, I found just helping people to become more, more comfortable with the technology and how it works and, and all of that um, in a place that they felt like was judgment free and didn't, you know, they didn't have to admit they didn't know what they were doing in right. front of a ton of people. It made it a lot less threatening and a lot more, you know, people were just a lot more enthusiastic about it from that point. So, so did you do this before the pandemic started or, or was this something that no, was sort of like, no, a, um, I didn't have zoom on my phone. I did, I had never right. used, I had never even heard of zoom to be honest. And I never used Skype. I hate FaceTime. I don't do any, I don't like any of the video stuff. I, I just, I dislike it, like actively dislike it. So this mm. was a big stretch for me too. And I'm, I'm tech savvy, right? So I can figure it out when I need to, but I sure as heck didn't want to. 
Uh, but I learned it from scratch. Like I learned it by messing around with the program. I like that clubhouse app that you showed me. I haven't gone to it since, since we discussed it like months ago, (laughs) but that's another, like, you know, maybe stuff like that is, is coming out of this, like necessity being the mother of invention. I think even post pandemic, this is going to live on. I think it makes, it makes meetings more accessible just in general. So if you really are going to be lazy, you could still, you know, pop a meeting through an app as opposed to, through um through well, a Zoom yeah. platform. That's interesting. And there's there's no one more adaptable, to be honest, I mean, really, than than folks in recovery. Because for a lot of years, uh, if we were in active addiction or alcoholism or whatever, like we had to find ways to make things work that were unworkable, right? <laughs> right. Uh, we had to figure out another plan. If I couldn't, you know, if I if I didn't have a license or a car to get to the dope dealer, well, I'll figure it out. Yeah, we like found if, a way. If it comes down to something I care about, I will find a way. Yeah, so, every day you, you find know, a way. That rhymes. Yeah, and that adaptable nature, um, you know, that, that we tend to have in like this real creative streak that we tend to have of trying to figure out how to situate things. When we, re, you know, when we direct that to something less selfish or, you know, self-centered, like offer, you know, trying to figure out how to make something work that our life depends on, like sobriety, then giving back to others, that type of thing. You know, when we redirect that, you know, ingenuity or whatever, um, it really makes a big difference in, you know, that positive momentum. And like Alcoholics Anonymous um, is just an example, right? And I'll use that one because it's the one I'm most familiar with uh, just through experience. And one of the pioneers of this, but when they first started, you know, they didn't have, they, they had some face-to-face interaction with anybody who uh, Bill and Bob um, and initially came in contact with locally, but most of their activity in the first several years did involve extensive travel on yeah. the part of members and they were remote in, communication. They were in Akron, right? I remember reading those the AA stories, and they were in Akron. Mm-hmm. And several years ago, I was at a state uh, commi- a state service committee meeting for North Carolina, which is where I'm located. And our service unit is the whole state, whereas some are divided. But but uh, our archivist brought these really cool letters that he shared with us and they were letters from some of the very first group actual groups that were started for members that had written to get a book mm. from you know from the yeah. tiny little not they didn't really have a service office at that point it was um you know whoever members that had the had the first printings of the book and they would have to write and and they would send them the book and then they would kind of communicate back and forth and some of the first groups were created in this area um, but the first members of, of AA in North Carolina traveled primarily to like Virginia and sometimes all the way up, you know, to New York to attend meetings, you know? And so wow. this was always, you know, people talk about what well, this isn't the spirit of AA, but even in, you know, even in the forward to a recent edition, it talks about how, you know, it's how, it's, they use the term modem to modem. Like we make it, basically we make it work. Like this is meant to be adaptable. Right. But, you know, change is hard. And so trying to convince people that just because, you know, yes, it's nice when we can do this face to face, but when we can't, then what? Right. Like you said, um, that's and so, you know, make it work. Like, like you said, um, the original idea, from what I understand of the AA big book, it was they had it published specifically to reach, uh, I think, like you said here in your doc, just like the way they would reach people in rural communities. Bob's or Bill's idea was to have this 
like the book is the program so we can send the program to alcoholics everywhere mm. and i think that was it was the the idea behind just printing that book so it it's kind of an extension of that logic like how are we going to reach as many alcoholics as possible well, yeah, and a lot of people didn't know that they already had these online service bodies prior to COVID for years. For years, they had, you know, AA has online intergroup, NA, because they've, they've for years had meetings for members who, you know, maybe they were disabled or they just couldn't get to a meeting or didn't want to. They wanted to do their meetings that way. Those things were already in place. They just didn't have as many of them. So the nice thing was that they did have, you know, there were meetings that were already structured this way and we didn't really have to reinvent the wheel. Although, you know, some people, like sometimes we tend to anyway, right? But there were people that knew how this worked already and we could go to them and say, well, you know, what, what's been your experience or what apps are you using? What, what platforms? And, you know, this was already in the process and, um, you know, there were apps like in the rooms yep, that I've, I've I remember that. back when they started. Yeah. In the rooms is great. Like, you can go you to know, an AA meeting anywhere in the world. I mean, yeah, they, they had to scale that things. really quickly, though, right? I mean, well, like you know, it, within a matter of weeks, you had to... Well, it took the technology and, and the out the reach for this online stuff to, like like you said, out of necessity. And sadly, not all of us made it to... Um, we were just talking about that before uh, we called, that, you know, in like you said, that New York Times article that um, we were discussing, the, um, the overdose rate is so high, it's like increased by 40%. Um, oh, and so I've that's lost the so sad. Many friends this year. It's so people sad. Lost with sobriety. People, you, you know, this is the first year that it's people that I, you know, that I really wouldn't have guessed. Mm, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not saying that I'm ever like, oh, I knew they were, but it, it, it's just, it's hit people so hard and people that really, you know, seemed to have a good foundation um, already. And, and uh, there are just so many aspects to, it's not just the lack of meetings, right? Like if I think about yeah. a year ago, I, I lost my job the day that everything shut down and I've lost job, you know, I've had grants end or whatever, and I've had to look for work dur- during sobriety. But usually when that's happened, I just go to a bunch of meetings, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I fill the time and I, or I go shopping or I go to like, none of that was even, yeah, none of that shopping. was even on the table. No. Yeah. I couldn't even like go to the grocery store to get, you know what I mean? Like just to take my mind, I couldn't, you know, and I couldn't do any disordered shopping, which was good. I mean, I could Amazon, but <laughs> I do. Amazon was was a same. salvation yeah. for dis, for disordered <laughs> shopping. <laughs> oh the, my god! The volume of Wasn't boxes it? coming to my house was was obscene at some points. Well, and how mad how mad that we're you know I'm like oh these used to ship in one day and now it's three days right, right? <laughs> so awful you know like I can't believe they're doing this to us it's you know for, for the privilege. But I'll say, you know, that, that some of, you kind of touched on it already. I mean, there, I feel like we've lost a lot and we've had to adapt to a lot and, and grieve a lot um, of things and, and parts of our lives. But I'll say that one of the overriding features for me has been the opportunity that it's opened up for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, to have to dig deeper, right? To have to be very intentional because I would go to meetings and wouldn't even think about it. You know, I would, I had a routine and, and it was just as much as we, you know, read prayers at the beginning of meetings that we don't really think about. Hello. Mm-hmm. Oh, we lost, oh, you, for we a lost you for a second oh. there. Oh, did we lose, did we lose each other? Just, just for a just second. For a second. To, I had, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I had to become more intentional and more, you know, reach out more in ways that I don't, I don't love just calling people up. It's not, you know, once I'm on the phone, I'm cool, but 
the way my anxiety is set up, it's mm. really hard for me to initiate that. And, and I, you know, I, I'll say I, I personally, uh, had some, have had some really dark times during the last year and yeah. times where my sobriety was, um, you know, threatened and, and even compromised. Um, but I'll say that, um, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, just finding, finding ways to dig deeper into, you know, why I was so comfortable just being by myself, you know, and this, right. this feel, felt like a treat when it first started, like all I've ever wanted is to be left alone, Yeah, finally. but it's really easy to disappear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's so easy to disappear during something like this, like yeah. in plain sight, you know, with people not realizing, because one of the things about having a home group, a regular place that you go, that you see people right. all the time is that they know when you're not there and they know when you're not okay. Mm. And they'll, you know, like they can see if you're, if you haven't been getting dressed for several days or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I've been getting um, a lot out of, um, just during this pandemic along those lines, I didn't really, um, reach out on social media forums. Do they call forum anymore? No, it's a, it's a group. In any case, yeah, I didn't do that at all. Cause I was afraid of being like, if you're on Facebook and then you post in this group, I didn't know that it was private and it couldn't be searched. Um, but once I dip my toe in the water, um, like with the Dopey Nation uh, Facebook group, which is a great support group that uh, Aaron and I know each other from. And uh, it was so great once I, I got into that. And so I've been getting a lot of my social interaction. You know, I know it's not the same as being, you know, that's why we do this show. That's another way. Well, that's but actually how you great. and I connected was uh, both of us were sort of poking around looking at yeah. resources during and that was during the. Was the that late spring, early summer of last year. Right, yeah. Mike noticed that I was a member of the Recovery Elevator Group, and right. then uh, somehow we got to talking about it. But, you know, even the the fact that we started, you know, the Recovery in the Middle Ages group, like it's starting to be that kind of community. And I but think, you and I had yeah. the, you and I had in-person meetings, which is what I would consider yeah. recording this podcast, at least once a week, if not twice, during the entirety of the pandemic. Yeah. From from the early summer on. Well, so right. I, you know, and I, I, I'm incredibly thankful yeah. for that because I, I think that made a huge I think it huge saved difference. me. I think yeah. the show saved me. Yep. Um, well, but, and Alcoholics Anonymous and, and other groups have adapted the saying uh, to whatever fits them. But I mean, they're, they've always been very clear about when one or more or where two or more yeah. are gathered. Absolutely. That's a meeting that doesn't have to be a certain way, but our expectations, you know how that is, where yeah. I think it's supposed to look a certain way and it's supposed to be you know, shit, I'll, I'll be chairing a meeting and I'm like, Oh no, there's only five people here. It's me. You no, know, those are like, my favorite meetings. The five people <laughs> ones, man. Those are I my favorite those. favorite. Yeah. Those end up being the best ones, but there's all that stuff about, Oh, it's supposed to look this way or right. it's going to be a shitty meeting because whatever, all those expectations we get, what do we call those pre-planned resentments? Right. Right. Pre-planned disappointment That's, or what expectations yeah, are, but yeah. you know, this has been, uh, this has been very trying. Mm. in that way of all uh, us having to stretch in that way of uh, what acceptance means, you know, accepting it. Is it, well, you know, fuck it. It's going to be like this and I guess I'll just go die. Well, yeah, sometimes, you know, that's permission, <laughs> you know, one of the biggest warning signs for me and most people in recovery and one of our, the scariest places, as you say, is like my head, you know, alone in my head is a bad neighborhood. It's, it's not safe to be mm. there by myself and detachment, isolation. Like this is the perfect storm of all the things that are 
our worst enemy. And, and, uh, you know, I'm somebody who can make, like I can seem extroverted. I can be social. I can make that happen Mm -hmm. just by nature of training and various, you know, career choices. But when it comes down to it, I'm disturbingly comfortable yeah, not being spoken to for several days. Oh, I've never right. heard it put like that, but I feel the I, same I exact way about myself. Wholeheartedly agree with with that sentiment. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my kids are older, and I haven't been alone in my own home because they both live at home. They're adults, but I have not been alone in my home not once for over a year. Mm. Wow. Because there's always someone there, you know. So there's that feeling of being tra- all those things that for us can be so triggering, feeling trapped, feeling like no options, and. You know, for me, a lot of it was, you know, uh, there were some meetings that continued outdoors and, and for mm. some that was a good, happy medium. And there are some that have started back. I've been to two meetings recently. Did you, do you go to the one outdoors? One of them was two weeks ago. Do you go to the outdoor I, meetings? I didn't go to any because they, they stopped doing them eh. here. Mm. They stopped doing them here, but most areas have continued them. And recently, I mean, when I say I had not been to an in-person meeting in over a year until I went uh, a couple of weeks ago to an outdoor meeting, that's the truth. And the level of anxiety I had about it, you know, just having, trying to reassimilate and trying to be around people and, you know, all of that and worry about, you know, are they, how close are they sitting, you know, all the things that went on in my head. The second time I went, it was much quieter, you know, but the first time I was ready to run, like the entire meeting, I could feel it, you know, that feeling where you're just ready to run out the room. Mm. Yeah. Can you talk about Aaron? Aaron, you wrote a little bit on your, on your doc, something that really stood out to me, um, where you mentioned, uh, many of us reported, report increased anxiety, cravings, and feelings of abandonment, PTSD episodes from past traumas that have had more time to come to the service that surface than ever before. And I know that's true for me. Like one of the things that's popping up and it's, uh, you know, amazing that you, you said that cause I, I was feeling that, but I couldn't put it into words. I've been definitely dealing with that. My PTSD from my, uh, car accidents, many car accidents is coming up and, and situations I was in during my using time. I mean, that's, that's affecting me a lot. So, I mean, what, what did and you more than usual, you know, right? Why yes. do you think that is though? If you think about logically why that would be, or even not logically, but I don't know, kind of alone. a natural, I'm alone yeah, more. you have yeah. more time. Cause what a lot of us do. And I, I, I sense that you're, pro- I, I sense really, but both of you have that kind of same thing I have, which is I become kind of an over functioner to, yes. to deal mm-hmm. or not deal with things. Right. And when, I mean, when it is quiet and everything really did shut off, then what? Right. Yeah. You know, then it has the opportunity to even come to your awareness and, and to, you know, emerge. And a lot of the things that we've dealt with are reminiscent of some of our old traumas, even this year of the, you know, the fear that the panic of not knowing what can we do um, about PTSD? Like I was thinking, I, and I keep meaning to look it up or something. But how, like, how does someone like me, who when, when I'm driving home and I'm waiting to make a turn, I literally can see my car getting hit head on, and I'll actually, you know, yell out loud because I have so much anxiety yeah. to get it out, and yeah. then I'll make the turn. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, is that a ketamine well, the therapy answer, thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'll say everyone's, you know, I mean, even even in recovery, right? Every, I don't know what your answer is, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's answer is different. But I, I can tell you what type of things work for me, especially with the things that I um, uh, ruminate on or that uh, that become loops, 
you know, like you're talking about, uh, things that will take you down into a spiral and mm. they could be, they could be the smallest things, but there are things that then, then what, you know, how do I redirect? So a lot of what I have done even in my own therapy is, you know, really as far as PTSD goes, what I have found more so than medication, which can even things out for people or whatever, make a level playing field. What works best for me is a lot of that cognitive behavioral therapy, a lot of the self-talk. Talk, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, and not just in this, like, uh, you know, here's a book, read it and do what it said. You know, like when people, <laughs> people in A would say, well, you could start your day over any time. I'm like, <laughs> okay, like how though, like getting to that, like how though, I say like that that's too, a super sometimes. fucking uh, self-healthy idea. But right. if I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. So a lot of it was just finding those tools for me. Like I have certain phobia, you know, I, I deal with a lot of OCD and phobias too, that are really irrational. Like I know that they are, there's no part of me that doesn't know that, but I had to become where I, I didn't devolve into them. And so a lot of that had to do with cognitive behavioral, like redirection, like what, like actually being intentional when you said you yell out, out of whatever, like actually even be like, it, it looks crazy if you're, you know, not by yourself, but the, the things I have to do, like in my car, if mm-hmm. I think I'm having kind of <laughs> a trigger or an episode is like say things to myself out loud. Like it is fine. It's that fine. is not going to happen. It's or, not happening now. I'm not going to, yeah. and, and that, does oh. it fix it? Like, no, that's very simple. You know, it'd be very reductive to say, and then I just go on about my day and everything's fine. Right. But it helps me to avoid uh, like to dig in the hole deeper usually It'll take your mind out of the present yeah you know, situation. And yeah. speaking of therapy that's one of those things like i keep hearing ads for uh, better help um oh, which the, uh, are not the paying us. therapies they're not paying us for an yeah. ad but i'm gonna bring it up anyway <laughs> um because i know that when i was in with a, a therapist and, and um and i had a, a a, a talk therapist who was also a psychiatrist who's very who it's very rare to find one and that was great and i'm like i really think i could benefit from an actual psychotherapist like again and sit down and really talk these things out now that i'm more healthy mentally because now i'm not daily struggling with not using i'm past the um, right. the point of the daily you know, craziness, but now this, the slow stuff is coming up. Like remember well, you're looking things. at the emotional sobriety portion, right? Which mm, unfortunately, right. when we realize that's actually the rest of it. <laughs> right. Uh, right. <laughs> and this, this is the rest of the story, right? Um, you know, that, that taking away the alcohol and drugs and finding a way to obtain from those was, you know, right. was what allows us to get to where, where we really even the starting point to, to dig out all that crap. But, uh, but you know, that retreating it is when you, even that's why sometimes sponsorship has to change. Like you might have a therapist or a sponsor that you had in early recovery that for whatever reason, it's just not, you know, like it's, it's okay to readjust if you had, you know, if you need to go back to therapy, it's not a failure, but we see it that way so much of the time. Like, like, uh, but, but but that, that implies that we ever graduate. And and in my head, I always want to have an end goal. I want to have a graduation. And that's really the hardest thing about sobriety is, is having to know in the back of your mind that you can never drink again or never use again and also not tell yourself that all the time so you don't have to remind yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. it's a big thought. When I think about forever, I'm like, forever? Yeah. You never say to yourself, you know, I'm going to have to brush my teeth every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> How the yeah, hell you know am I supposed true. to do that? You know, or, 
you know, it's the same kind of thing. It's just like the way that my recovery has developed is it's, it, it's more of, it's a daily doing the right thing, doing things that are healthy for me. And I just try and keep piling on things. Like I started finally exercising and that's making me feel better. And now I think my next thing is I got to get a therapist again. And I was going to ask you, you mentioned therapy. Are you still going to see a therapist or do you have one of these uh, online therapy type things going on? So I've, uh, I continued to see my provider, but online and I had only just initiated therapy and then I kind of dropped off of it, Mm -hmm. you know, for a while and had to come back to it. And by that point she was primarily seeing, you know, existing clients online. But, you know, if you think about, like, if you think about folks that have uh, maybe abusive backgrounds or neglected or, you know, things that involve abandonment, you know, if, and uh, feeling alone, which I know I can, I'm just speaking for myself that a lot of my, um, past life traumas have to do with a feeling that I needed more from uh, whether it was the adults in my life or whoever. And what I got was less than what was basic. Mm-hmm. And if you think about when all this, all this happened, how much more support we really all needed just from the panic and the newness and the terror and what we're witnessing in the news every day. And, and we needed more support and what we felt like we were getting was less. Right. Let me let me just ask, you know, because we've been talking about like the efficacy of online meetings versus in person and how they're not really the same or qualitatively. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about therapy? Because there's this huge push now for all these online therapy groups and so forth where you get yourself a therapist and then you can yeah, interact we were just with them over video. About better like better help. Yeah, better help. So but I mean like is, tele what do they call I mean, it? Is that, telemedicine. Is, is that useful, do you think? Yeah, what do you as think? As opposed to like a face to face. Well, I think it's better than nothing for mm-hmm. sure. And, and, uh, you know, especially it's kind of opens the pool like it did about meeting. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking about the opportunity that it opened up to go, you know, I spoke at a meeting in England and I spoke at a meeting That's in so Ireland and how come you don't you tell know us? It, you should tell me when you're doing that. I well, these were, these were a couple months ago. Yeah. You <laughs> gotta let me know. Cause I'm, st- I'm still, I will, I will. I'll, I'm hovering uh, on the periphery. I'm hovering on the periphery of these me. meetings. I want to get, I know my kids <laughs> you are come heckle me. <laughs> but even attending meetings, you know, even attending meetings outside my zone, like people that are going to the online therapy, it sometimes gives them more options for providers that aren't local yeah. or not aren't a network or, you know, whatever. So if we flip the coin over every time, you know, I'm not a big fan of toxic positivity, right? But I always, I find yeah. for me that reframing is super important because of what I tell myself. Yeah, yeah, you know. So hard. if I look at it as the opportunity to go online and and not have to come to an office, and the opportunity to go to an AA meeting from my bed, you know, the opportunity. Like if I look at things that way, sometimes it just helps. And that therapy, you know, that I I prefer in person therapy, and I will, you know, that's my plan is to be back in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Right. But I I thought you know the the online you know, the the online modality was as effective for me. And I I don't know how much of that was that I already had a relationship with the therapist. I'm not sure, Mm. Mm. but it was better than nothing. Yeah. (laughs) I want, I wanted to just give our listeners before we, we wrapped up, um, like what are some of like, if, if they're struggling right now, even if they've already relapsed, if there's someone who was in recovery, who's no longer or wants to get back, like what are some, next steps that someone who just is totally out of recovery right now, but that used to be, and like, 
how do they how do they get back into this thing? Obviously, if they're listening to this podcast, that's that's one thing. And yeah. find other podcasts. And what else would yeah. you say to someone? Well, there's like so that? much shame around relapse, yeah. you yeah. know. And I, I say this firsthand. I know that a lot of times we fail to get back on the beam, as they say, because of how we feel about what we did even if we're ready to, or what we think other people are going to say or do. One thing I say is, is it's not that like, as long as you're breathing and living, I promise you it's not the end of the world. It's not that big a deal. And the people that matter are going to embrace you like they never have. Um, the other component of that is to, to be easy on yourself because most of us did not come out of this unscathed, you know, yeah, easy does completely. It, not everyone, re, you know, not everyone relapses. Not at all what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is we we're all damaged <laughs> from, yeah. you know, just what we've been kind of put through and had to witness and be a part of. So just, you know, take it easy on yourself and do the next one thing. If you have to go to a zoom meeting and, you know, shoot, I had to tell Matt this. I had to say, you don't have to turn your camera on and you could leave mm-hmm. any time. Right. And that's one thing, you know, that is one nice thing about control. I'm the kind of person I don't carpool because I like to know where my car is and when I can leave <laughs> if I want to. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. to me, it added, an, yeah, it added another layer of if I don't like it, I don't have to stand up in the middle of a room full of people and walk out. I can literally just say leave. Yeah, you just end. But, um, and it gave me a little more leeway to get comfortable with it in, in, on my on my timeline. That's it's it's so true, and I think this is so apropos, and it's it's so important right now for people to hear this. And I want to thank you. And um, how can uh, our listeners get in touch with you? I know we put it in the show notes, but I, I'd like to give you know to say it on the show. So wh- where can uh, where can the listeners um, get in contact with you or, or view your blog and things like that besides through us? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I I don't want to subject anyone to having to read my tweets, but if, <laughs> if you wanted to, if you wanted to contact me on Twitter, you can always do that. It's girl G I R G I R L underscore recovery. Um, and then, uh, my website is, uh, falling com, And there's a comment, you know, there's a contact form in there, but, uh, I'm on Facebook, although that's not quite as searchable, but if you go to the show group, um, or show page. I'm, I'm on, you know, yeah. member there and, and I'm always available. Like, you know, please reach out. Like no one is, yeah. no one is more important than you. And, and, you know, uh, that if there's any women that want someone to reach out to you and initially, so I can help hook you up with someone in your area, please feel free. And any of the guys, I would say, reach out to Matt and Mike and, yeah. you know, the men with the men. And, yep. um, the women yeah. The women. Well, I like to keep it that way. Although yeah. I'm not like, don't, it, don't talk good, to though. me. Just don't send me weird pictures. But I think if, <laughs> if a guy did reach out to me, I would just redirect them. Yeah. You know, redirect. Re- re- redirect. <laughs> That's, That's right. Redirect them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for uh, your time and for coming on and doing the research. Cause I think, I think, and don't Stuff forget, you your show is part of what's helped some people through this. That's amazing. Yeah, that never ceases yeah, to amaze me. need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it weird? I'm always like, me? I'm a jackass. Yeah, but, right. right. That's, that's generally <laughs> yeah, our, right. our response when we get something <laughs> like that. All right. Yeah, well, I'm a jackass. It, until you. next time, another great episode of Get Smart with Aaron Moore. Aaron, we will talk to you really soon. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Take care. Thank you. Love you guys. Love Bye. you too. Bye. Yeah.
Yay. We did it. We did it. We finally did it. The only thing I wanted to cover that we didn't cover. What? What is the, the difference between toxic positivity and fake it till you make it? But maybe we can save that till next time. We'll, uh, we'll <laughs> touch on that when we get back from the break. I have to urinate. Okay. All right, we took two breaks. Uh, I know this time. I've just been drinking so much coffee, That's what and then when we go bowl I, for an hour. I added a, a muscle milk shake thing. Mm. It's called muscle milk, but it's it's actually lactose free, so I can drink it without. There's actually no milk in it. Having a gas attack, caseinate uh, or whatever. But. This is one of the yeah. I've actually gained a little weight now. I, I got down really light, and now I'm up a few pounds from 170 calorie uh, drinks. Uh, yeah, I got to have calories because I'm not eating that much. Oh. Um, so that was a really, really great uh, talk with um, with Aaron, and uh, it was it was really cool. And thanks again, Aaron. Thank Looking you. Looking forward to it. And, and guys, um, like she said, you know, we have the private uh, Facebook group where we we discuss. You can reach out, but it is important that there is uh, a female uh, there that people can also reach out to if they're not comfortable reaching out to us. And uh, I see you smiling. Are you thinking of a joke? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just reaching out. I'm disturbed. That's reaching all. around. Okay. That's you can, <laughs> guy on guy, uh, reach around. Anyway. Um, and in any case, so that was Get Smart with Aaron Moore. Um, and now for Recovery in the News. You get so excited for this segment every week. Your little eyes light up and then you start doing a jig. Recovery in the news, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So recovery in the news this week comes from the old gray lady herself. No, the the New New York York Times. An article. old gray lady. (laughs) A a wellspring of of, uh, dubious... Uh, post-pandemic drinking advice lately. Um, so there was an article in their Well blog uh, this week. Uh, the title, you always seem to strip the title away oh, when I put them on here. Right. But anyway, the title is something along the lines of um, <laughs> <laughs> should you drink alcohol immediately following your COVID vaccination or or how to successfully drink alcohol immediately following your second shot. Um, I just overheard a couple of customers in my store saying that same thing. They're like, really? I couldn't drink while I was getting my shot. But while okay. I was getting my shot. Yeah. Is it right. okay? I got drunk afterwards. I, that's crazy. Go on. I don't know. So, I mean, last week we talked about the New York Times uh, saying that, or two weeks ago, right? We, that you, uh, how to ratchet your drinking back from its alcoholic level to a more right. moderate <laughs> how level. How do I bring it back? This week, the New York Times is strategizing on how you can get drunk after getting your COVID vaccine <laughs> without, without losing the effectiveness of the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the beginning of the article goes, after a long year and lots of anticipation, getting the COVID-19 vaccine can be cause for celebration, which for some might mean pouring a drink and toasting to their new immunity. But can <laughs> alcohol interfere with your immune response? You think? Uh, the short answer is it depends on how much you drink. There is no every- evidence that having a drink or two can render any of the current COVID vaccines less effective. Some studies have even found that over the longer term, Small or moderate amounts of alcohol might actually benefit the immune system by reducing inflammation. What? Hold on to that thought. Heavy alcohol consumption, on the other hand, particularly over the long term, can suppress the immune system and potentially interfere with your vaccine response, experts say. Um, Since it can take weeks after a COVID shot for the body to generate protective levels of antibodies, anything that interferes with the immune response would be cause for concern. 
Well, uh, and then they go on to say what moderate consumption is, and that it's the usual, you know, one drink a day for one women, two unit. for men, yeah. standard unit of five ounces and so forth. But Sure. I didn't now, know it helps your immune response. Well, I think that's, I th- frankly, I think that's bullshit because if one drink, um, if one drink, if women drink one extra or one drink of alcohol a day, it increases their breast cancer risk by 12%, then how is that moderate consumption helping your immune response? Well, they always used to say, you know, well, the French have a glass of red wine every day. And uh, people will always, you know, invariably say, well, my doctor says one glass of wine a day is actually um, beneficial. But the French have alcoholism is much higher than this in this country. (laughs) And then that's not, it's not a joke because yeah. it actually is quite a, quite a great deal well, higher. They start the kids early there. Yeah. It's but I, I mean, I don't know where they get that idea that, I mean, they, they do go on to cite some studies that show the immune response um, with, with small amounts of alcohol. But I, you know, yes, maybe you're, a, maybe it's, you, there's a slight protective immune response in some area, but is that counterweighed by the increased cancer risk or and the, the liver damage? Liver damage? And, you know, uh, none of those things which are mentioned in the article right, because the New York like, Times wants to make everybody feel better about going out and getting shit-faced after they But get they have shot. nothing to gain by doing that? Do they, I don't know. Do they have Adver- advertisers? Of course. And I all- mean, I'm not saying that this is a conscious thing. I'm just, this is the way that drinking is woven into the fabric of society where the article is not how you can it best boost your immune system and, 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 and get the results of the COVID shot to work even better. It's how you can still indulge in your alcohol still- drinking after you get the shot. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. We'll go, my wife and some of her friends are doing this diet now mm. and, um, and so it's very complicated. It involves an app and cooking certain types of meals. Is she doing the Noom? Bar- it's not Noom. Okay. It's something with bars. And I don't know. I, I eat the dinner she makes when it's on the diet. It's pretty good. It's like no gluten, blah, blah, blah. But I heard, you know, her and um, her friend who's doing it with her, a, a real topic of discussion was like, how much can we drink with this? Like, <laughs> and, the, and the answer is, according to the diet, you, you I forget what it was, like one every two days or something. Um, or once a week, it's something like that. And this other friend was saying, well, but I just, I still have a beer a day and I'm doing great. And I'm like, oh, all right. But like, I don't know why, why do it at all? If you're trying to diet and lose weight, you know, Uh, most people don't see it the way you and I see it, I guess. I I don't know. My my thinking is, you know, I have to go back to when I was in that mindset to really understand it again. Because once I stepped over that cognitive threshold, yeah. Um, I, I feel like I can't ever look at it the same way again. I don't know. I mean, I would try and lose weight when I was like drinking like four glasses of wine. And I'll night. just have and the that, Michelob Ultra. You know, it, it, there's only two right. calories. But but it's like yeah. I mean, you know, I personally I I'd rather have the the chocolate cake than the glass or two of wine now. But that yeah. wasn't always the case. So you know, a box of wine. Uh, so that's recovering <laughs> the news. It is. You notice their shows are getting really long. Yeah, I know. What it, I don't know why that is. Anyway, is this time for Week in Weird? This Week in Weird. Crab humanoid caught on film? <laughs> That's a question. A bizarre piece of footage circulating online purportedly shows a humanoid entity scurrying down a road in a crab-like fashion. <laughs> the very weird video was reportedly captured by a home security system in Costa Rica and was shared on Reddit by a resident of the country earlier this month. Alas. It actually says alas, alas. in the article. Alas. 
Beyond that bit of background information, little is known concerning the circumstances by which the scene unfolded. Be that as it may, the footage. This is like sound like how my dad talks. <laughs> like alas, and be that as it may, and these and that. Thy footage a, is rather compelling. It's a, by closing, way. it's a closing argument. Is what it is. <laughs> be that as it may, the footage is rather compelling by way of its sheer strangeness. In the video, a dog lurking on a dimly lit road is being taken aback by something approaching it from off screen. When the oddity comes into view, it appears to be a human-sized creature walking on all fours in a manner akin to a crab. The bizarre beast, or being, simply scrambles down the road and vanishes into the night. I know what it is. In the original footage that was posted to Reddit, several dogs can be heard reacting in an agitated fashion fashion to the curious interloper. I just love the language, the language this guy's is great. using for this. You know it's some like Harvard like you know writing major who this is now all he's doing, you know. <laughs> right. He's like, "Yeah, I can write. Just give me something to write." What is this? Crab people. Okay, great. Here we go. And he just um, bangs it out. Do you remember a few years ago in the internet um there was yeah. You know, internet. guys were playing these practical jokes and one of them involved getting <laughs> getting one of these hot Hot dogs, you know what? What do you call those dogs? The wiener dogs, oh, yeah, no, yeah, and then um, and putting like a spider costume on it, and then um, ha- putting it in an elevator with, with like a dis- like all these rubber dismembered parts and like fake blood, so people would would come. The elevator would open and the dog would run out, and people would freak the fuck out and run in the other direction. That's what I suspect is going. On going on here if i can find that video i will put it in the show notes because i I pissed my pants laughing on that for for years and i think this this article with the crab humanoid i think it came with the video so we'll try it uh, we'll link to it i have to see that and um that was this week in weird yes oh right well that about does it for us today folks thank you so much for listening uh visit us at middleagesrecovery.com uh find us on facebook instagram youtube tweet us and twat you twit apple podcasts and wherever fine podcasts are sold five-star reviews will be read on the air yes they will um check out the show notes mike works very hard on them there's some funny little uh easter eggs in there please don't Um, increase the expectation (laughs) so if you find some of these hey new merch is coming keep checking the website middleagesrecovery.com put your name on the list um we have a limited number of shirts and get them before they're all gone before they're all gone and we're going to be printing up now that we're going to have an online store uh, it's going to be great and it'll go directly to us. We're not going to be messing with any third party fulfillment agency. It's just going to come straight out of our garage. Um, <laughs> just what you want. Email us, reach out guys. Just like we said with, um, Aaron, reach around, we're reach around the, the, the back door, the, the latch is greased. So come on in Oy. <laughs> and, um, uh, I think that's it. On that note, us, on that note, <laughs> as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. See you next time. Be good. Mm-hmm.